Next week, the second season of this podcast begins. The purpose of stories of emotional granularity is to explore the diversity of emotional experience. Of course, we can't directly access the experience of other people's emotions. Emotion is a subjective aspect of consciousness. We express our emotions through language in order to communicate about them with other people, but our linguistic expressions of emotion are not the same thing as our emotions themselves. It takes a great deal of effort to articulate emotions linguistically, which is why the words that people use to describe their emotions are such powerful tools for understanding the landscape of emotional consciousness. Words are tools designed to bridge the mysterious gap between the external reality that we share with others and the internal lives that only we can know. Words are weighty inventions, however, that require a good deal of social investment to be maintained. As a society, we keep the words that work for us and abandon the ones that don't describe something usefully. The astonishing number of words for emotions that we have in the many languages of our world is evidence of the collectively recognized profusion of feelings available to us. Nonetheless, there are some emotions that have yet to be assigned particular words to enable us to communicate about them. We can feel emotions without having a name for them. We feel these things even as we struggle for ways to communicate them to others. These are emotions on the cusp of being known, aspects of our individual experiences, even though they don't yet have a socially recognized label. This space of emerging emotion was revealed to me recently by my daughter in reaction to an episode of the breakthrough television show The Last of Us, a well-received series that was based on a groundbreaking video game. The Last of Us was among the first video games to integrate gameplay within a compelling cinematic storyline. The Last of Us is basically a zombie story, but it wasn't the specific narrative that captured my daughter's attention so much as the artistry with which it was executed. She described her emotional reaction to the craft of the storytelling as a combination of joy and fury. There was an episode of West Wing and this episode of The Last of Us, both of which triggered emotion within me, which is a difficult thing for TV and movies to do. I don't easily cry when I watch or read things. So it's kind of like a thing that I judge TV and shows by, is if they make me cry, then they did a good job. And so this episode of The Last of Us made me cry on three separate occasions. I shed three tears, which is pretty good. The episode of The West Wind gave me chills, full body chills. I was really in it. And I watched the episode, I watched that episode before and it still gave me chills the second time that I watched it. So basically while I was watching the episode, I was already, the episodes I was already going through, emotions of, and thoughts that were like, oh my God, this is so good. I was thinking while I was watching this, if I could write anything like this, I would be so proud. That would be amazing. And so after 
I'm done watching those episodes after I'm done experiencing the emotion that it can give. I, it's the TV's off. The storytelling is gone for the time being. So I'm sitting there with this leftover emotion and also the feeling of just, I just experienced something that moved me and it's difficult to move me. Because another thing about me is I can handle corniness sometimes, but sometimes emotions can be too much for me and I don't wanna deal with it. And I don't wanna talk about TV shows. I don't wanna talk about movies. I don't wanna talk about the storytelling. But this was different. I was so overcome with just admiration and just amazement, general amazement, that I was, I would just be sitting on the couch and I'd be looking at the TV and being like, oh my God, that was so good. And then I was feeling that so much that I would start to get like almost frustrated, but in a good way, like frustrated in the meaning of like, there were emotions within me that were kind of stirring around and bumping into each other like frustrated as in like active. I don't know if that's one of the definitions of frustrated, but I would get kind of angry, but in a positive way where I'd be like, I would swear, but I'm not gonna swear. <laughs> I would be like, oh my God, that was so good. I would get so, I'd just be, I'd be overwhelmed with emotion that the emotion that is easiest for me to feel is anger. Cause it's, it's an emotion where you do let things out. When you're feeling angry, you tend to let things out. I was feeling so much emotion that it was coming out as anger, but I was, but I wasn't really angry. I wasn't hitting things. I wasn't yelling. I wasn't, you know, slamming doors. I was just, I was almost shaking because I had so much energy and I was, I would swear also because I swear a lot in conversation for emphasis, but just because I was just floored. I was floored. So I'd be like, oh my God, that was so good. I can't believe they just did that. Like I would say like, F those guys, that was so good. Stuff like that. I don't actually mean like, you know, I don't actually mean to like offend them or be rude to them. It's just coming from a place of like, holy cow. As my daughter explained her feelings about the excellence of The Last of Us to me, she grimaced as if in rage, and even occasionally clenched her fists and punched at the air as if in an expression of violence. Yet her emotional framework was not actually hostile. She used angry words and gestures, but her feelings arose from her appreciation of the artistry of what she had witnessed. The anger is not actually anger. It's it's a different type of anger. I'm not actually angry, but it's coming out. It, the emotion comes out like it would if you were in an argument with someone or if you are actually frustrated with someone. I don't know. That's just the way that I expressed the emotion. I would ramble on for a long time and I would say a bunch of those sentences of like, I can't believe they just, I can't believe they just did that. I can't believe they would do that, I, but in like a really admiration and just inspiration and amazement and excitement and frustration and a little bit of anger, but mostly frustration because there was just so much good emotion and then it came out like I was angry. 
the emotion my daughter expressed to me can't just be categorized as either positive or negative. It's a complex combination of both of those. A sort of pleasure so intense that it's surrounded in a shell of outrage that isn't actually resentful at all. My daughter felt provoked by the show's excellence to the point of exasperation that felt like a rage of joy, even though rage and joy aren't typically thought of as fitting together at all. It was a strange emotion for her to feel, although she explained to me that this is just what it's like for her when she comes across an artistic performance that is unusually evocative. This emotion isn't unique to her either. The showrunners of The Last of Us expressed the same feeling in an interview that they did, describing their own reaction to the show as an anger that it turned out so well. There is no word in the English language for this kind of emotion. But that doesn't mean that the emotion doesn't exist. If enough people begin to talk about this kind of feeling, eventually they're going to come up with a word for it. While in the meantime, the tools that we currently possess don't allow for this emotion to be communicated easily. My daughter could rate The Last of Us with five out of five stars. She could give it a thumbs up. Or she could just tell people that she liked the show. But that really wouldn't convey the depth and complexity of her reaction. Tools that operationalize communication about our feelings into a standardized format create an appearance of universality of emotion that is actually untethered to our real experiences. This podcast, Stories of Emotional Granularity, is moving in the opposite direction. We're working to expand the frame with which we articulate our emotions, increasing our emotional vocabulary without settling on any standard definition for our feelings, accepting the different ways that we encounter emotions without attempting to reconcile them into any single supposedly correct form. So, as the second season of this podcast begins, I want to keep this idea in mind. Words are cues to our subtle, subjective experiences, but they don't define them. You're going to hear people expressing familiar feelings in this podcast season. But you're also going to come across emotional perspectives that don't match your own experiences. Often, it's not clear who's right and who's wrong about how these emotions should be expressed. The interesting thing about emotion is that it's often strongest when we enter areas of disagreement. Emotion is about what matters, and what matters is what feels worth arguing about. Though when we argue about subjective perceptions, it's difficult to come to any resolution. As an example of that, next week, 
the first full episode of the second season of Stories of Emotional Granularity will arrive exploring the emotion of pride. Is pride something that we should feel proud to have? Or should it be a source of shame? We're going to muck about in the mire of that question next week. Until then, thanks for listening.